Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. episode of the forgot my dice podcast a long awaited overdue episode robert yeah yeah coming at you from my new digs in uh indeed as far away from portland as i can get and still kind of be in the portland suburbs i'm like on the edge of farmland here and you may hear trucks pass by in the background but we're gonna call that close enough for government work portland well i i was explaining on the uh on our our fan site or on our fan facebook group that uh it's uh, it's not a feed. It's not a bug. It's a feature. We are urban hip dads, and that traffic noise is to get you in the feel of that. So it's something we're adding it in post. I assure you, it's not. It's not terrible recording. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I'm your host as always, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, the con crud to my convention, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? D- did you get the con crud? You know what? I had a minor minor case of it i got away with some uh sniffles and a headache nice and and i just kind of felt kind of off for a day and then it went away i have some friends that did not fare quite as well they came down with what i can only uh, describe as a case of the bubonic play. yeah yeah uh, chris premise of uh, green ronin games he's been he's on his ninth day of concred recovery so yeah Ooh, yeah that's rough yeah yeah so I'm, I'm glad you didn't get it too bad i'm glad you didn't get it too bad but yeah <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine could just as easily have been attributed to exhaustion. Truth be told, true that I, I, I went basically fourteen days in a row without a break. It was, uh, it was crazy, but good, good stuff. And that con that we are, of course, talking about is Gen Con, and this is our very special Gen Con episode. This whole thing is just going to be a deep dive of Gen Con. So uh, we'll get started on that in a moment. But first, as always, we have to say thank you. Thank you so much to all of our awesome patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on, and here we are making new content. All thanks to your generous, generous donations. Without you, we wouldn't be able to nearly do as much fun stuff as we do. What what Jonathan said, only more so. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and get started with an extra long version of our first segment as always off the shelf this is the segment of the show where we talk about all the fun stuff that we've gotten off of our shelves and onto our tables and uh let's take a look what we got here robert you saw some movies yeah 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 so the the library around here is uh pretty awesome yeah you sent me pictures your your library is ridiculous i know it's got a gaming wall isn't that nuts like if uh, if your library had been Blockbuster, Blockbuster might still be. Like, it's better. <laughs> yeah, they got they got um, all of the D and D board games. I noticed they've got you know classics like Pandemic. Not, nothing terribly obscure, but the fact that you know you can get relatively recent board games to try out, including like Tomb of Annihilation, the board game, and all that. That's that's very nice. I was impressed. It was a, it was a, a, a decent collection for a public library. It, I was not expecting that. Yeah, I, I was not either when I walked in there. So yeah, uh, we've been uh, educating the child on uh, the Toy Story trilogy. So we watched all of them. It's fascinating because between the first two movies, about five years of real time pass uh, between productions. And it's amazing how much the graphics uh, improve between Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2. And then you got the... Yeah, it's it's nuts. Because that, that was right there in that, that giant boom in terms of processing power. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, between Toy Story 1 or 2 and Toy Story 3, a decade pass. So, again, there's a pretty significant leap in, in stuff. 
And we're about to have, it's been 10 years, so we're about to have Toy Story 4, of course. So I guess every 10 years until Tom Hanks dies, we will have a Toy Story movie. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life, because I don't want Tom Hanks to ever die. He needs to be immortal, because he's an American treasure. (laughs) You know what? I found out uh, Tom Hanks is not the only voice of Woody. Uh, His younger brother, Jim Hanks, also does the voice of Woody in the Toy Story video games that can't afford Tom Hanks. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. You can get secondhand Hanks. Secondhand Hanks. <laughs> Hell, that might, that might be a show title. Secondhand Hanks. I like it. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing I've said all week. <laughs> Tom Hanks, uh, or Jim Hanks, has been in a few things. Uh, most notably, from what I saw in my life, uh, he played uh, Tur- Dr. Turner in an episode of Scrubs where he was paired with Dr. Hooch. And, of course, they were the doctor pair of Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's amazing. You're you're welcome, Jonathan. I need to go that find that episode. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that on his IMDb page. It was like, what has this guy done? And it's like he does a lot of voice work, and he he plays you know secondhand Hanks in in a lot of like video games, which is funny. <laughs> of course, over here we're continuing with Steven Universe, and uh, that show is just great. Just go watch it. Last time I checked, it was on Hulu. I don't have Hulu at the moment. Where although I probably will soon. But anyway, uh, yeah, we've been wa- we've been just buying it because it's a good show, and they just finished up their fifth season or i i don't know where they're at in it but it was there were revelations it feels like the show's almost over it's weird like they're they're wrapping a lot of like story arcs up and unless they like start throwing more you know mud at the wall i'm i don't know how much longer they can keep going it's weird but you know what it's fine if they go out on a good point you know more shows need to realize that's what they need to do don't run it into the ground just to make money like let it let it go on the high that's what i love about the british tv shows they're not afraid to do a short season and just say this is the story you know, they make the show for the story, not the not the story for the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Any, anything for you, sir? Any any TV? Oh man, I have spent so much time on airplanes in uh, the interim between our episodes, and just I have watched a ton of TV. I have continued. Uh, I took a short hiatus from my uh, Star Trekathon, watching them all in chronological order. I left off somewhere in season three of uh, Next Generation. I am now currently about a quarter of the way through season four of Next Generation. I've picked it back up again, and I'm steaming hard. That's weird. I did that the other day myself. I just, I've only watched, like, literally the other day, and I only got through two episodes, so I didn't really want to comment on it. Get out of my head, Jonathan. Get out of my head. In recent memory, gosh, what was that, about a year ago I started that? Year, year and a half? Yeah, a while. I've managed to get through original show, Enterprise, and I'm about halfway through Next Generation. So I found that that website again, the one that I've been using to watch things in chronological order, and it's all nice and ready to go. So I'm I'm about a season away from when Deep Space Nine and uh, Next Generation started uh, going back and forth. Yeah, luckily Deep Space Nine premiere of that happens pretty late in the season five, even though they got started around the same time. No, it's uh, or is it before mid, er, uh, early season six? Yeah, is when we start to see uh, both shows it, show. But up. I remember I, the I premiere, ahead. the emissary episode. It takes place. Yeah, the the backdoor pilot. Yeah, well, well, no, no, not the backdoor pilot. There's a there's an episode the the first episode of DS Nine emissary. It started is pretty even though it, they were airing at the same time uh it's started is much later in tng's run yeah it's like three or four episodes into f- season six yeah yeah it, which is surprising and and, and it, it's much more backlogged into tng by based on stardate not an actual air date but we're we're going on stardate here and you skipped the animated series i remember that and i admonished you for it well i couldn't find it i couldn't it's find on it. netflix 
Is it now? Because it wasn't at the time. Well, it is now. It's on everything. Oh, okay. it was on well, CBS. To, it was on Amazon. It. Yeah, it's on everything. Because it's in the timeline. It's in that time. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of it's considered canon. Like they, they, it's not canon, but they keep pulling elements out of it and saying, "Well, this one's canon, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched a lot of movies as well. Rewatch Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Still a work of brilliance. I mean that that movie is so amazing. Rewatch Spider Man Homecoming. Just wow again. Just that movie has no business being that good, but it is. It's so good. Watch The Darkest Hour. With, uh, the movie about Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Watch Super Troopers two. <laughs> how was that? That was. Uh, how should I put this? Everything I expected. I laughed, and it might be the stupidest movie I've ever watched in my entire life. But I say that with love and affection, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's how I feel about Zoolander. Yeah, yeah, same thing, same thing. You feel dirty when you watch it, because it really, you shouldn't be enjoying yourself, but you do. Yeah, that's uh, that's my Super Troopers experience. I loved it. I thought it was gr- a great follow-up to the original. I laughed for all the same reasons that I laughed at the original. The original's still better, but that's only because it was such a fresh take on stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I watched uh, The Dark Tower. Oh, how was that? I watched The Dark Tower, Robert. All right, moving on. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. Was hoping for so much more. Ouch. To be fair, that really should be a TV show. It should not be a movie. It should be a TV show. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not. It's, it's, Considering how big like Game of Thrones is and, and all that, it, it yeah. seems, I don't know why somebody didn't do that. It's too much. It's too much. And the movie wasn't even that long. I think it's like an hour and 30 minutes. So they're trying to cram this what 700 800 page book into a, a 90 minute movie just it's too okay much. you you are giving the gunslinger way too much credit at, on book length that is by far the shortest one it might have cracked 300 but i don't think it was even that long even then even then uh what else did i watch i watched uh jack reacher never go back mm-hmm. yeah they shouldn't have gone back <laughs> that was a mistake that was whoo you know i enjoyed the first jack reacher i didn't have a problem with it this one's just a hot mess it doesn't tell nearly as interesting a story it doesn't take any of the chances. Um, the director is not as good as Christopher McQuarrie was in the first one. Edward Zwick directed Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. And you you know that name. He did Last Samurai, Courage Under Fire, Shakespeare in Love. I mean, between being a director and a producer, he's he's made some amazing, amazing stuff. You know what's funny? You know what my experience with that movie is? I think it's on, like, what, Netflix or something? It might be, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. So that movie I that movie pops up on that. Netflix, right? And it, it's like, Jack Reacher, Never Look Back. And I'm like, that's a weird title for a movie. And I look into it, and I realize it's a sequel. And, you know, no longer in pop culture, you know, or, or yeah, not in that key demographic anymore. I had no idea that the first movie had come out. Wow. I never, yeah. never heard of it. I, you know what? The, the first movie's not without its flaws, but it's it ends up being enjoyable in the end. It's a good little thriller. This one just falls apart. And I mean, this is the director that gave us glory. So I know he can do good stuff. And yet he's just falling apart here. It's a, it's a mess of editing. Oh, man. I don't even know where I need to be. You know, you know, you yeah, know we're, 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 we're a positive podcast. We'll, we'll just say not our cup of tea and move on. Yeah. You know what the worst part was? Mm-hmm. I watched those back to back on the same flight. Oh. That was a double, uh, double feature of pain. All right. What else did you watch, sir? Uh, then I watched Tomb Raider. Because I hadn't punished myself enough. The the new one with uh, the reboot. Yes, hmm. I, I'll give it points where where it uh, you know where it deserves. It follows the plot of the remade video game quite closely, surprisingly closely. Hmm. Well, there you go. So that's about all I can comment on it without getting <laughs> negative. So moving right along. Ouch. Okay. 
It was not a, it was not a good couple of flights, Robert. I just kept making tactical errors. It just wasn't working. Were they out enjoyably for me. bad at the very least? Out obviously no. Unless I lost you. Yeah. I uh no, you did not lose. You me. had to think if you had to think about it that hard, no, they were not enjoyably bad. Okay, okay. I was I was looking for words that weren't negative. Okay, I appreciate that. They never came. Yeah, we we're positive here. They never came. Quest for positivity, people. Quest for positivity. All right, moving on. So that is uh, that, that's it about it for movies and TV. I watched a lot, but I can't say I gained a lot. Fair enough, fair enough. We'll be circling back around to Blade Runner twenty forty nine a little later. Trust me. Okay, because I really enjoyed uh, oh no 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 I, d- d- just we're gonna come back to this in about an hour. Just watch, just wait for it to happen. All right. <laughs> well, how about video games? I see that you've been. Uh, I have been trying the Pokemon Go and and failing at it. You don't open my gifts. You don't open my gifts. I get experience because I forget. I forget I have the game. I, I'm really bad at it. It you doesn't get remind me uh, that it exists. For opening the gifts, man. All right, I'm opening it right now. I'm opening it. I'm going to open your gift. Oh, God damn it! Well, now I got to get my phone. Fu- Do not trespass while playing Pokemon Go. Uh, we did that the other day. Oops. <laughs> There's a gym inside right. an apartment complex, and by the time I we got to the gym and we were doing stuff in it, I'm like, we're kind of deep in this apartment complex. Maybe we shouldn't be here. <laughs> How do I open the gifts again? I'm really uh, you, you you click on your little portrait in the lower left hand corner. Oh, Ophemia gave me a gift too. I don't even know who that. That's is. my wife. Oh, that's that's okay. All right, that's Gina. Opening the gift. All right. How do I send gifts? Uh, you, you'll get a button to send send one back. Stardust. Ooh, wow! She sent me a lot of stardust. That's actually kind of hard to get. You should keep that. And then send gift. I have no gifts in my inventory, so it's not going to happen today. Okay, well, open my gift so I can send you one. I am. I'm get Gris the Gnome. Here we go. I did open this up. Ooh, more Stardust, a revive, an egg. Oh, I'll send you a gift from that park I was sending you pictures of today. I did open up uh, Pokemon Go at the Indianapolis airport after Gen Con. Oh my gosh, there were so many Pokemon there. Yeah, yeah, well, that's why we ended up at that apartment complex, because if there's people... It spawns more stuff. <laughs> oh, man. There were people at the airport. Yeah. There are not people around here. But anyway, nobody wants to hear about that. Yes. So I've been continuing to play Pokemon Go. Oh, you sent me another gift. Yeah. Well, I, I, ha- I could do it once a day, and I sent you that one like five days ago. Okay, Shazam. More Stardust. Yeah. Three Pokeballs and an egg. Nice. Man, you want to get that fish some water. I'm just saying. This is not looking healthy. Yeah, one of his attacks is called Struggle. <laughs> 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 that's called monday to friday for me <laughs> but anyway yeah gamified walking still fun uh ev community day was over the weekend sir and we went out and caught evs as a family and we discovered a nice little bakery in downtown hillsborough and we dropped by the game store and i bought the beholder mini from WizKids. oh nice it was it was a pleasant day and, and you know good i had a bacon biscuit sandwich from a little bakery and we went into the the local hobby store where they sell model trains, and Aowen, I think, wants to build a model train set. And I'm like, get out of my head, child. Like, I've always wanted to do that. Don't tempt me. We don't really have the room. Hey, you're going to make the room now. Uh, I'll just get her into War Machine. Surely that'll be a cheaper hobby. <laughs> no, you can get her into what I got into recently, which we'll talk about very soon. Okay, okay. Um, I've also I've also just been watching my PlayStation, sadly, counting down to September 4th. What's September 4th, Jonathan? What's September 4th? The day after September 3rd? No, it's Dragon Quest XI day. It's almost here. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. 
Have there been any new entries into the Dragon Quest uh, podcast? Uh, I started editing uh, the Dragon Quest 3 podcast finally, and uh, Gina and I have been saying out loud that we should probably start playing that game again. But every time we get time you know, away from the kids and all that, we're like, we should unpack or do stuff to the house or put up a towel bar. So that's been kind of... we. we once I get the first part of episode three out, it'll probably be a little bit, you know, more like, oh, we actually have to start playing this again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm about halfway done with that episode, give or take. Well, there you go. Yep, yep, yep. While I've been waiting, uh, they released a new character on Overwatch, and oh my god, Jonathan, oh my lord. Oh, the gods of gaming have granted us something, oh, so pure and so good. It's called the character's Wrecking Ball, and it's a genetically modified mutant hamster inside a giant robot ball. And it's all right. I will try Overwatch oh, again just for that. Oh my god, Jonathan! Okay, so first off, the hamster is adorable. Secondly, it can't talk like Winston can talk. So its robot has like an AI in it. And so what happens is when the hamster talks, you hear this, and and the robot goes, "He says he's sorry." Or like I've got this like laugh emote where you see the hamster and he like like puts this oh he's got like a like a almost like a PlayStation controller that he controls it from so when you see like his little hands moving around on your screen when you're not in ball mode it's just these cute little hands on like a PlayStation thing or it's not quite a PlayStation thing but it's amazing anyway but when he laughs he he crosses you you want me to kill this for you are you ready so it's like the dolphin in Sequest DSV Darwin was awesome I shut your mouth Darwin was the best (laughs) so he crosses his little arms and he goes. like in this little squeaky chipmunk's voice and then the robot like kind of like settles back and goes ha 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 it's so good jonathan it's so good also also one of the voice lines he just like goes rah, 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 and then the the ball goes error profanity filter enabled <laughs> i like that yeah. i like that okay, a lot so his powers are he can shoot a cord and then just like like make the ball spin and He's a wrecking ball, and he pushes people around, and it's brilliant. I gotta like send you some of my plays of the game. Like you just knock people off of crap all the time. It's 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 awesome. And then he's got like twin link guns, and then he can like drop mines. And it's he's adorable, and it's the exact play style I want because I don't get a lot of kills, Jonathan. But I'm just really really annoying, and I'm really good at that play style in games where I just drive people insane, and I win a lot. I've got like a seventy percent win rate in my crappy like I think I'm in silver, but it doesn't matter. I've got like a seventy percent win rate because i can just drive the other team to insanity just by doing stuff that is annoying because and i figured this out i figured this out playing war machine okay the thing that would drive me bananas when i was playing war machine were there were models that let you let an opponent move your models it's like first off all my stuff like a lot of my stuff's painted so i don't like people touching it with their disgusting fingers that rub paint off right and so like them touching my models and moving it as part of the game mechanics, it, it just it's like personally like don't touch my paint job, but I have to like let you touch my paint job. And then positioning, especially in that game, is like so important. So when you move positioning, oh hugely, hugely, yeah. But when you move positioning, it like messes with you. It's like this is not where I want to be, and and it's it's aggravating. And and that's what Wrecking Ball is really good at because it does the same thing in Overwatch. You you force people to move into positions they do not want to be in, and that is so tilting for people it's amazing it's so annoying like because he can also um you can like fling himself up on the wrecking ball and then you can push a circle on the playstation and he'll spin and slam down and within a rate a pretty big radius around him everybody will just pop up and they can't like move they just kind of like hop up a good like 10 me- or like 
like four or five meters and then slam back down. And they don't take really any damage. If you land directly on somebody, they'll take like 100 damage, which is like nothing. But even just around you, they'll, they'll still pop up. And just because they can't move forward, like it drives people insane. And then like, and if I do it right, the whole team turns around at that point because they're pissed at me. And then my, my team just shoots them in the back. And it's awesome. It's so good. And it, and um, I was talking to my buddy about this character, and he said it's like almost immersion breaking in the game because like his suite of powers is, if you think about it, really dumb and really bad. Like if you if that robot existed in real life, it wouldn't be that good. But it's like the perfect set of powers to play on a team based shooter. <laughs> you know, gameplay first, right, right, right. But it's it's almost it's like it's like perfect for it, and it's not perfect for real life. And it just reminds you it's a video game, I guess. But it's it, it's so oh, it's so fun, Jonathan. It's so fun. I love that little hamster. So yeah, I I and he's so cute. He's so cute. Just I have seen pictures. He is. Oh, adorable. it's so and it like gets that cute thing, and then he's just aggro. Oh, they they knocked that one out of the park. I've been I've been enjoying myself, even if I lose. You know, Blizzard had a huge booth at Gen Con. Really. I did not know that. Yeah, I got an enamel pin for uh, playing um, uh, a game of uh, Heroes of the Storm. Oh, how fun! And they were there also pimping the new uh, the new hotness in how um, uh, for crying out loud the card game. What the hell is it called? Oh, uh, Hearthstone. Hearthstone. Yeah. Oh, fun! All right. I, so there that, you go. That... Gen Con Blizzard report done. <laughs> so, did you play any uh, video games while you're on the airplane on the iPad? Did you play like uh, nah, twenty forty? Not so many video games. Um, what have I been playing lately? I've been playing a lot of uh, Dawn of War three on the PC, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Warhammer forty k, the grim dark future of everything must die. Everything must die. That's what I'm now calling this game. Yeah, um, it's so much fun. It's a great little real time strategy game. It's really well implemented. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. And uh, yeah, the attacks are fantastic. Nice, nice. I, I played. I'm having a good time. I played a lot of one back in the day. Yeah, this one's great. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Two uh, two questions: Are the Tyranids in, and are the Imperial Guard in? I'm not that deep. I'm playing through the uh, campaign, and right now uh, my campaign is with uh, the Space Marines. But then I know that there's orcs and uh, Eldar in it. Oh, okay. Those are the three primary species, and I think everybody else is getting added in as uh, add-ons, as uh, DLC. Okay, for, like, multiplayer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Imperial Guard and Tyranids were fun. Maybe that was Dawn of War 2. I don't remember. Anyway. I, I haven't been p- keeping up with the news on that either. I've just, I downloaded it a couple months ago, and I've just been meaning to get to it, and I finally had time to sit down and play it, so I've been playing a lot. You that. got one of your Steam Shelf Toads off. Nice. Yes, we all have the Steam Shelf Toads, oh, too. Oh, God, don't we? Anything else? Um, uh, I've been playing a lot of Cold Water, which is a submarine, uh, Cold War submarine simulator. Super fun. Very tense. Uh, so I'm basically playing Humphrey at October, the PC game. Good. Nice. Uh, Cold Water is phenomenal, it, uh, and it keeps getting better. They've been doing a really good job with the updates. The, the latest updates have really added quite a lot of gameplay to it. And then pretty much you see, the only other thing I've been playing uh, any kind of regularity is uh, a whole lot of Fortnite. <laughs> nice. Fortnite it has become Fortnite's my Overwatch. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's it's certainly more popular right now. I don't I don't begrudge that. You know what I'm really curious about? So, not that I know anything uh, official. This is just speculation on the internet. But people have been kind of noticing that a lot of the dev staff on on Overwatch haven't been like posting, and they're wondering if they're it's because they're working on something they can't really talk about. And I know BlizzCon's coming up, so I'm wondering if they're going to announce some sort of expansion where they try to steal some of Fortnite's thunder and jam it into overwatch 
Hey, uh, an arms race is good for everybody. Yeah, well, and one thing Blizzard is insanely good at is they're really good at taking something complicated and and not casual friendly and making it very casual friendly, which is good because I'm a filthy casual. And uh, I was thinking about what is it about Fortnite that's that's the worst for me. And it's it's that bit where you know you drop into the map in the uh, you know hundred versus hundred or whatever it is, and uh, you spend like somewhere between five to 15 minutes just kind of like finding guns and moving around and outrunning the storm and then you get into like the battle zone and like the first 10 games i would just immediately die and i didn't get to play combat enough to like get a sense of it for a long time and and basically it was until i got lucky enough that i ended up in a big battle with people who knew what they were doing and so i could kind of like a watch them and b feel a few things out and get a few shots off but still like like if they could take that that part in the beginning and shorten it like they did in Heroes of the Storm, I I, I don't know how, but yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. That Blizzard, the Blizzard magic needs to do is to get the action to happen sooner. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned that they actually did a, a recent update in the middle of season five, which we're currently in, mm-hmm. and this recent update adds the ability to pop your glider anywhere. And so basically that's a giant mobility enhancer and the concept is to get people back and forth across the map quicker. Yeah, well, it needs something. Like, it, it just does. All right, so uh, I see you got some reading in, which is unfortunately not something I have managed to do at any time recently. Yeah, I finally got a copy of Art of Magic or the Art of Magic, The Gathering, Dominaria. Yeah, you sent me pictures. That looks gorgeous. It, it's a it's a very pretty book. It's probably the least focused book out of any of them because, again... Dominaria is is the least focused plane because they, <laughs> they there's a lot of sets set in Dominaria. There's something like twenty, so it's very uh, domin like the, I, the Dominaria set doesn't seem to really have like much of a storyline. It seems to be kind of catching up with the world uh, sixty years after the last apocalypse it had. But uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of really really cool art in there, like the the stained glass. The last apocalypse. It yeah, had. yeah. Oh yeah, Dominaria. Set, <laughs> it's just a funny. It, 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 it's true. <laughs> So and I also read the plane shift that came out and and again it's also that the plane shift was kind of short and weird because you know Dominaria is also the closest thing they have to sort of a traditional high fantasy you know D and D setting so there wasn't a lot that was new or interesting it was a lot like you know like the whole section on how to use the barbarian it's like uh, use those people up north because there's totally barbarians and there's totally paladins and there's totally fighters there's totally everything just go nuts you know no complaints it was fun the art's really pretty it was interesting kind of catching up on the lore of that book uh basically so so the last apocalypse was the time spiral crisis or whatever and basically all of the life-giving mana leaked out of dominaria and thus the land became kind of a mad max style post-apocalyptic wasteland and so in the 60 years since that happened they resolved the time spiral and so all the mana came back like really suddenly and so the land just like exploded back into health and so yeah like you know the forest started growing back and everything started becoming lush again and blah 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 so yeah it's it's a world on the recovery from you know becoming a mad max style fantasy post-apocalypse which you know it's good to know you can recover from such a yeah thing. well apparently all it takes is mana gotta get your mana base so yeah but uh yeah no the book's gorgeous it it's it's really fun yeah, those images you were sending me were just striking. I mean, that that's the one thing you always can guarantee with magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And then uh, uh, The Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron came out, and uh, my buddy and me got it. And uh, that is basically a much more in-depth... I think the book itself is like 170 pages. Um, it's basically a beta test 
for a future upcoming Eberron actual factual book that Watsi will do. And uh, but they they're letting the community play test it because I don't know maybe they're judging to see how popular it'll be or if they'll actually release it. I'm not sure, but. Because of that, uh, I'll, I'll, since you didn't get any reading done, I'll segue into RPGs. Because of that, my buddy got this real longing to play some Eberron again because it's his favorite setting. So we fired up an Eberron game, and we are just such the weird assortment of characters. It is the best thing ever. Uh, my wife is playing a noble barbarian, and she's like a noble like princess barbarian. And so she's decided her rages are just you know her being entitled and yelling at waiters and stuff. <laughs> I saw that at the restaurant I ate it <laughs> Nice. I'm playing an alchemist, which is like a third party class, and uh, I'm I'm doing like the the Hulk slash Mr. Hyde spec. Uh so that's kind of fun. I'm I'm kind of like a spellcaster melee fighter guy. And uh, I'm playing kind of a noir hard-broiled detective who transforms into a Hyde monster cuz you know, why not? And Is he Chuck Saxon? Yeah, his name is Saxon, yes. I'm a half elf. Saxon of Charles. Yes, Charles of no, Saxon. No, actually, his name's Saxon de Madani because I, I. It's a long story, but I belong to the Dragon Marked House Madani, and so they have a last name convention that I'm following because I'm part of that house. It's a long story. I we we, we can get into, if we ever deep dive Eberron lore, I'll, I'll go into it. And then we've got a Warforged, which you know is a, is a robot, but he's a druid and he has a beard made out of moss. <laughs> and yeah, because why not? And he's a druid of dreams, and he and robots don't dream, but that one does because that's his special thing. And finally, we are not finally, uh, and then uh, we have a necromancer who's an affable necromancer, and uh, he's a nice guy. When he reses you, your your body is a zombie. And then Eowyn got kind of jealous that we were playing D and D without her, and so we made her a character uh, basically because she can only play about an hour before she gets bored. We made her uh, play uh, a mage bred animal because I had this book where you could play, you know, like animals basically uh, from the DM's guild called Monstrous Races, and it takes every monster in the DM or in the monster manual and makes them into a playable race. So we made her a falcon, or no, an eagle. Oh, nice. She's an eagle. And so when she gets bored and she wants to go watch TV or do something else, she says, uh, my eagle's going to fly away and go catch fish. And then she just wanders off. And it works. You know, she plays for about an hour. She wanders off. Sometimes she'll hear that combat's starting, so she'll, like, run back in. She's like, I want to join the combat. I'm, I'm done eating fish. And so she'll, she, you know, she kind of drifts in and out, but she has a good time. That's all we care about. That's all, every, that's all it should be all the time. Exactly. And because, uh, yeah, she, you know, she's six. You know, she, she can't sit there and play for four hours like we can. But she, she was basically in it for about two hours. She was playing for an hour and then she left and she came back for about an hour and then she left. Oh, and she's, uh, she decided her eagle's blue. <laughs> and so we keep thinking it's the eagle from like Harvey, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. You know, <laughs> that's how we imagine it. So, <laughs> and she, she got kind of upset when we, we like kind of were like, oh, it totally, we know what it totally looks like. And she's like, I want to change it now. I'm like, no, 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 keep it. It's great. It's perfect, daughter. It's perfect. And that is my RPG-ness. Have you been playing any RPG, sir? Sadly, no. But I have been uh, I have been starting my read-through of my West End Games uh, Star Wars D6 oh! reprint from FFG. Yeah, I, I, I... Which is gorgeous and beautiful in every way. It's so pretty. It's such a love letter. Yeah, I kind of wanted to get that, but the gaming budget is limited, and I spent a lot of it on Dragon Quest. So is it is it a direct reprint? Is it is it printed? It is a direct reprint. It even has the West End Games logo on the cover. You can't tell. That's so cool. I like that. They didn't change a thing. It's got all the concept art from the the movies and whatnot. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's be- beautiful. 
it is a love letter to, to people who love RPGs from people who love RPGs, and I really respect that. Yeah, so you think you'll you'll play the classic system? Because I hear a lot of people like swear by it, and and the the D6 system like they've made it, they've kind of separated out the the Star Wars from it, and they have like D6 fantasy and all that. So I know, I mean, people still play it. They they swear by it. So I I, I never have. I like what I've been reading so far. I think I prefer the the narrative dice system that's in the current game a little better. Uh, it, this definitely feels a little antiquated, and that's not its fault. It's a, a product of when it came out. Yeah, the, the mid-80s. But, um, but that being said, I think that there's a lot to like here, and there's some really good ideas that I think actually translate into the narrative dice system just fine. So I think, I think I'm going to take some good stuff from it, but I would like to play an OG game. Well, if you ever do that on the internet, let me know. I, I, I have a D6 book somewhere. I'll have to find it. I'm, I'm slowly unpacking all that stuff, so I've been finding a lot of old treasures, <laughs> which has been kind of fun. Hey, Robert. Uh-huh. I want you to hear something. You ready? Okay. What do you think that was? That pathetic little pop that barely came over my, my headset? Yes. Uh, was that a hamster farting? No. Was that... That was not a hamster farting. Did you squish a teeny tiny little bug? No, it was not. It has. Uh, it's something to do with gaming. Oh, did you? It's something you like to do as well. Did you pop a teeny tiny little soda can of Mountain Dew? Well, I did it with my clippers. Oh, so oh, was that you opening tape? That was me doing a little bit of cleanup on my Monster Apocalypse starter set. Uh, nice. I picked it up at Gen Con. I am such a sucker. I saw giant monsters, I saw giant robots, and I saw myself taking my wallet out of my pocket and buying them. I have heard good things about the new version. I am interested in it, but I want to play the Pterosaurs, a.k.a. the Godzillas. <laughs> yes, they're not out yet. I know. That's, that's what I'm waiting they, for. They had, uh, they had a model there that was uh, coming, it, it's like two or three months away, yeah. and they had it there. Uh, I did not purchase it. Because I know how limited my time is, and I'm trying to do with uh, this and Legion, I'm only buying enough models to get started, and then I'm not going to allow myself to buy any more until I get the the painting and, and building done on them. Well, I know in the new game you can sort of mix and match from your faction, because they split it into two sides from the six. Well, there's, yeah, there's, there's, it's, uh, they, they took the Warhammer Age of Sigmar idea, where everybody's allegianced up, and you can choose the different allegiances as long as they're on the same side. Which is a good thing to borrow because that's a it's a very cool idea and it works really really well. Regardless, I, I still only play with the Godzillas unless they make a Mecha Godzilla, which in that case I'll also play with a Mecha Godzilla. The game's good. Uh, everything I've read from the rule set so far makes it seem like it's a really streamlined, really fun uh, rule set that really kind of emphasizes the subject matter. The everything about the rule set just speaks to the um, speaks to the concept, you know. Mm-hmm. It's basically Pacific Rim the Miniatures game, even though that exists. <laughs> it was the OG one, like that that existed well before. It is, it is. And this this new version, compared to what I've read about the old version, is quite streamlined and quite straightforward, which I really like. Nice. I like it. I like it. My only complaint, and this is just a very minor complaint, the way the components attached to the sprue is kind of funny, because um, it makes cleaning them up a, a little difficult. That's fair. And that's just a modeling complaint. That's got nothing to do with gameplay whatsoever. I just wish that they would have they would have sprued up the models just a little bit differently. It's a work in progress with them. They they're still not as deep into that as some other companies are, who shall rename, remain nameless. Totally talking about Games Workshop. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jonathan! Holy crud! Have you listened to the the latest uh, of Dyson Men? 
uh, the the one after the shelf token. Yeah, I, I I remember I was listening to it, and they mentioned the term uh, shelf of opportunity. I was like, yes, I saw that too, and I was quite uh, I laughed quite hard when I saw. Yeah, that. yeah, I'm so like, oh my god, or heard that. I guess I should say somebody there listens to us. <laughs> well, and we you know we have a listener to thank for that too. Yeah, exactly. So I, I I don't know I don't know if people have been spreading that around the internet, but I will take credit for it. I thought that was cool. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. We co-opted a term that is now being co-opted. Uh, I like yeah, it. yeah. It's spreading organically. So what else have you played? Oh, where do I begin? It's been a long time since we put out an episode. It's been about a month. I, yeah. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. a month. So a, a lot of gaming has occurred, including a major convention. So some some things got hit the table. Century Eastern Wonders. Okay. Supremely fun. Very cool. Takes the same basic idea of um, Spice Road and gives it an interesting movement twist. And uh, it, it, it's interesting because it definitely feels related, but it feels unique as well. I have not tried the uh, game combination where you take the two games and combine them into a single game, which I think is just a neat idea. Even if it doesn't work, it's going to be a neat idea. Although with Emerson behind the wheel, I, I don't see how it could not work because he's so good. Doesn't that rule set have its own cool special name? Yes, uh, from sand to sea. So it's called Century from sand to sea. Yes, but you can only you can only play it if you have a copy of Eastern Wonders and Spice. You know, I'm, I'm it, I, it borrows things from both. I'm just going to add that to the list then. Century. That's but it's not a standalone game. I'm going to say no on this. Uh, these are the only points I'm going to get. I'm the arbiter of this list, so yeah, you're going to have to deal with it. Listeners, if you think that I'm right. Let Robert know. If you think that Robert's right, don't do anything on the internet. <laughs> yes, apathy. Bank on apathy. <laughs> I like this. Hey, man, if you're going to be the arbiter of the list, I'm going to pander. Okay, that's fair. Sat down and uh, played a game of um, Fortune and Glory. Oh. Which is fun. It's a little dice chucker. It's totally uh, an Ameritrash game uh, in every way, shape, and form. Uh, you get to punch Nazis in the face, and for that reason alone, I'm I'm completely enamored. <laughs> there is a lot of Nazi punching in that game. Oh my god, so much Nazi punching! <laughs> I remember that. That's the best part. From the makers of what Touch of Evil, it's their Indiana Jones the board game with the numbers filed. Yeah, off. so it's Flying Frog Productions. That's him. And I actually played a trifecta of Flying Frog games. Ooh, because I played Fortune and Glory, mm-hmm. Last Night on Earth, and a Touch of Evil. I don't think I've thrown that many dice in my entire life. Between those three games, there's just so much dice chucking. Uh, so what'd you think of the, the trifecta? They're all fun. They're, they're, they're fun games that you really need the right group to play. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to appeal to, you know, a Euro group or like a major strategy group. They're a very specific type of game. They, they create an interesting story. They have a very fun world. You got to be okay with luck because there's a lot of luck involved. Mm-hmm. For what they are, I think they're fantastic. I think that they're definitely starting to um, show their age, hmm. given some recent developments. And again, that's not a fault of the game. That's just the function of games keep getting better and different. You know? Yeah, they, they got a, another game that they kickstarted a while ago. But yeah, that's that's kind of their new hotness. I'd like to see them do Touch of Evil again, because I, I don't know why I like What's Sleepy it's Hollow. It's coming up on its 10-year anniversary. Yeah. Well, I, I like... Uh, I like colonial horror. Like I, I think that's a fun genre, you know, like Sleepy Hollow. Which and all is that. why we're going to play some uh, Witches of the American Revolution when you come. Heck yeah, I want to play that game. <laughs> Played Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game no. at uh, Gen Con. No way. 
eat it up. Yeah. It's interesting. But I'll tell you what. Uh, I had an entire unit get completely decimated in uh, one set of dice rolls. So it's it it, it can be a it can be a gore fest. Nice. Okay. It's fun. It's interesting. It, you have to think about it differently. I'm so used to miniatures games where you are moving individual models that thinking about moving the entire tray it, it, it's it, it's a different mindset. You you have to do some different math in your head. Does that make that sense? That totally makes sense. It, it's what the yeah, people it, who played old Warhammer Fantasy complained about the most from on the Switch to Age of Sigmar because it, it switched to that. The, the the individual models. It used to be big movement trays, yeah. and those are gorgeous on the table when you got them all assembled and you know there. Especially if you've like you know made all your guys different, and so that you have to like put them in, in a certain order, otherwise they won't fit. You know because some of my weapons poking through guys, and yeah, it's gorgeous. It looks the pageantry, sir. The pageantry is just amazing to behold. So was this like a Gen Con demo? Was it all fully painted and awesome looking? I did play it at Gen Con. I did not play it as a demo. Uh, a buddy of mine had it, and we sat down and played it. But it was the entire, uh, basically the core box, but it was not painted yet. Oh, you got to get that painted, man. I I actually tried a demo of it at uh, Origins a little while back. Mm. And so that got me kind of interested in it. I I, I still need to feel my way around the rules. I was such a noob, such a novice. Like, I got my rear end handed to me. (laughs) Nice. What else else did you do? Uh, Let's take a look here. So that gets me through some of the stuff on the list. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> it's fine. But I'm going to I'm gonna have you add something to the list, because I bought something at Gen Con that I haven't had a chance to play yet. Oh, what'd you get? Starship Samurai. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, it's the new Isaac Vega joint. Um, first of all, Isaac Vega might be one of my favorite humans on Earth. Uh, every time I run into him at cons, uh, he's just the friendliest, nicest dude on the planet. He's just so excited to be making games, and I love him for it. He's just, he's the best to talk to. Well, uh, I ran into him, and uh, actually, it was kind of funny. I, I was at the Plaid Hat booth with my buddy, and I'm sitting there getting ready to buy it, and I'm like, man, I got I to gotta get the Starship Samurai. It's the new Isaac Vega joint. I hear it's really fun. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he comes around the corner. I'm like, how did you time that? <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was really funny. I'm like, I'm glad I was saying nice things. <laughs> Yeah, no, Gen- which actually is the only thing you can say about Isaac because he's good people, like in every way, shape. Well, or it, if you go to a con and Isaac Vega is there, seek him out and say hello. He's the nicest person. As Rob Whelan said, uh, "Internet's for hate, cons are for love." So you you probably get that a lot at cons. He he, he probably just oh, heard yeah, like no. uh, you know he probably it was like the bat signal you know like it, it's like saying Voldemort you know he heard his name and ha- was drawn to it. Uh, the game looks cool. Uh, it's an interesting take on uh, area control and action economy. I'm really excited to play it. I, I, I read through the rule book, and I'm ready to go. I just need somebody to play with. Nice. Hey, Dale, you still uh, haven't played Consentical with, with, with Jonathan, have you? Have you? No, Dale has not played Consentical. I, I want to, I want to hear about that, Dale. You and I are going to play Consentical together. Well before Jonathan teaches you Starship Samurai. I'm just saying. I I, I need it. your help, Dale. I need your help. I need to get these points. It's the only ones I'm going to get this year. I need it. I played uh, a whole bunch more uh, Mansions of Madness recently. Nice. Not not at the con. Played it with the two older kids. Oh, man, they loved it. It's a great game. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> nothing short of brilliant. And you know what? The newest expansions, because I went and picked up the new expansion, only make it better. Nice. What uh, what What is the new expansion, anyway? Sanctum of Twilight. That's right. We were talking about that. 
Dale and I played one of the new encounters, and it was really tough. Uh, we were rolling really poorly, too, but we we still had a blast with it. And they've announced Horrific Journeys, which is coming out real soon. Nice. Right on. So that's, that's exciting. That is exciting. Man, that's a game I do not mind throwing money at, and I will continue to throw money at it, because every time I buy a new expansion for it, you can totally see it almost immediately in the game. And I really appreciate it. You, you know it. who we should play that game with, actually? Gina. Yes, I bet she'd love yeah, it. Yeah, no, she would. She we, we played a lot of Call of Cthulhu back in the day. She loves herself some Call of Cthulhu, so I think she'd get a kick out of that. Especially how narrative it is, because she, she's a pretty she's much more of a RPer. She likes kind of narrative style. I mean, even board games, she likes more of those, you know, table talk stuff. She likes table talk stuff much more than like, you know, we're fighting. I did pick up one other game at Gen Con that you need to add to the mm-hmm. list, um, although I am going to play it here like tomorrow, it looks like. Uh, I did pick up Legendary Encounters The X-Files. I'm a big Legendary Encounters fan. I've talked about this game on the show before. And this system is really... It's just the best for co-op. And I really like the rule changers with X-Files. It does some neat stuff. So in that game, do Mulder and Scully kind of like hang around? And then maybe at the end of the game, they'll see like a light in the sky and like, that's a UFO. Maybe. I guess we'll never know. Being a fan of the show, I can tell you that there's a lot of really good uh, little inside jokes like that in the flavor. Nice. <laughs> Played some more uh, Mass Mora. That came out on the table recently with the kids. Nice. That's a good game. Yeah, we had a good time. You know, I'd forgotten how much fun that game is. It's just super fun. Yeah, no, that's a great game. And and for the kids especially because, you know, you, you get that tactile thing of rolling the dice, which I think helps. Especially with kids, yeah, you know, totally. for, for spawning enemies. I could totally see that, like, being a thing. At Gen Con, I bought in heavy to, into uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar Champions. Now, this uses the same basic engine as Lightseekers, which I've talked about on the show before. Warhammer Champions adds an interesting element to the rule set because you have these four distinct columns, and these columns represent kind of a battlefield <laughs> And um, different uh, different heroes that you play uh, affect different columns. So it adds a whole new layer of strategy to the, the way the game functions, which is really interesting. Did you play it? I did, extensively. Uh, I have actually not stopped playing it. Between Lightseekers and Warhammer Champions, I've just that's been my go-to for cards lately. Nice. Played a fun game that I had never tried before called Five Minute Marvel. Okay, go on. I guess it's based on five-minute dungeon. Basically, you um, have a deck of resources. There's four or five different types of resources, and it's just a little uh, picture icon, right? Mm -hmm. That deck gets evenly distributed between all the people that are playing. You turn a timer on your phone. It's a little app specific to uh, to the game, and you have five minutes to make it through this pile of enemies. And the way you do it is you you have a hand limit, so you can only have a certain number of cards in your hand at any given time, and it's generally not going to be enough to take down enemies. Because enemies will come up in a in a deck, and they will have a list of all the different resources it's going to take to to knock them down, right? So everybody at the table works together to determine who has what resource, puts them down on the table, you beat that guy, flip over the next guy. Now, there's all kinds of twists and turns along the way, because there are hero abilities that your hero will have that will um, basically alter the gameplay rules. Yeah. And everybody will have also a second deck of resources that are specific to their hero. It's actions, basically, for their hero. So anytime you burn a card, you get to draw up to your um, hand limit, right? But you don't have to draw from your resource deck. You can also draw from your hero deck. So it's a it's kind of a 
uh, uh, figure out which which direction you know which resources you want to use because you're limited to only ten cards in that hero deck. Hmm. Okay, makes sense. And then it's just a bunch of rounds, one after another, until you uh, finish up. And it's it's super fun, it's super frantic, and it's really really good for getting groups together. I uh, had a chance at the uh, show to play uh, Happy Little Accidents, the new Bob Ross. Oh, I'm so jelly. Which I brought home. Oh, that's so jelly. Which, I might add, has a flocked box. So Bob Ross's beard and hair are fuzzy. <laughs> I'm going to wear it out, man. I just keep petting the box. Oh, it's so good. I love it. How was that game? Uh, it's awesome. It's so good. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be as good as it is, but it's freaking good. You know what? You know what? No, no, no. Say no more. I want to play it. You've got me. It's it's a Bob Ross game by that same company. I love the art of chill. Yeah, I I don't want to hear more. I just want to play it. So just save it. I'll I'll see you in a month. (laughs) All right. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I will just say this. It knows it's a party game and it nails it. It nails it in every nice. Yeah, they had a big pie. I I, uh, I saw their their booth. Uh, they had like a Brady Bunch game. They had a bunch of stuff that they were they brought to Gen Con and and yeah, that's so good to hear. That company like just keeps hitting it out of the park. <laughs> no, they've been doing so so well. It makes me want to play that Brady Bunch game because I, I have this bizarre love of the Brady Bunch. Not actually liking to watch the show, only the movie because I guess I like the parody of it. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious how the Brady Bunch game turned out. Did you play the Brady Bunch game? No, I didn't have a chance oh. to. Oh, well. All right. So there you go. There's kind of the highlights of Gen Con. I played a lot more games than that, but a, a lot of it was stuff that I've already played. I was trying to hit on the, the games that I, I played uh, that were new. Nice. All right. So. Played a lot more Campy Creatures. Nice. I want to play that, too. That game continues to be awesome. I've uh, been playing a bunch of uh, Beyond Baker Street. That's kind of been a go-to with the game group recently. Nice. I want to play that, too. All right, so what I've done, I have alphabetized the list because it was driving me nuts, and I've been kind of half doing it as we've been going along anyway. Uh, I've removed Century Eastern Wonders, Fortune and Glory, Last on Earth, Touch of Evil, Song of Ice and Fire the Mentors game. I added Monster Apocalypse, Century from Sand to Sea, Starship Samurai, and Legendary Encounters the X-Files. So you're down more than you're up right now, and you're down some of the big stuff, which is good. And I will close this list up for an- another podcast. Oh, when next we speak, I'll be chipping away at that because, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at a bunch of stuff on the shelf calling me. I want to get me some Starship Samurai right now. <laughs> if you were here right now, I'd totally play it with you. And now it's time for our year in the life segment. This is where we sit down and we take a look at what we deep dove a year ago, and we have 365 seconds to talk about it again. And if we want to go longer, then we need to take it off the shelf and uh, play it. So, a, a year ago, uh, we did Forgot My Dice episode 21, Method LARPers, which I recognize was a Diana Jones Award nominee, so I guess we're a little ahead behind in time, which makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, things are going to get a little wacky. Uh, but we played uh, Privateer Press's Kickstarter, uh, Widower's Wood. Which was awesome and fun and continues to be. Uh, the real The real question there is, it's such a campaign-based game, and I need to find a group to play through it, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it seems like it'd be best played with the campaign. I mean, that and Undercity is the same way. I, I found my copy of it. That uh, t- Speaking of Shelf Toads, that is my Shelf Toad. That is a game I completely want to play a lot, and I just I need to get a group together to do it. 
Both Undercity and Widower's Wood are, are such fantastic games. They they truly do deserve to be played. They they borrow the best parts of the Warm Hordes uh, kind of rule set, and they present it in really interesting ways. And the the storytelling in it is actually one of the the neatest parts. And the variation from the heroes, or the variation between the heroes is amazing. It's so well done. And, and the monsters too. Yeah, I, I. Oh no, totally the monsters as well. And I love the way they did the AI deck in that game. Yeah, no, there's just there's a lot to like in that game. I, I like it's basically in that dungeon crawler genre of game like Arcadia Quest and Super Dungeon Explorer and so on. Uh, Descent and except it's definitely more focused on uh, storyline than anything else. Yeah, storyline and the combat's pretty tactical. But yeah, I I don't know. I I, I love it. I, I between the two, I think I like Widower's Wood better just because. Uh, Undercity is a little bit more traditional, sort of steampunky fantasy sort of things that you've you know probably have seen before. Where Widower's Wood is all about gator men and weird monsters and giant turtles and squids and stuff. And it's just, it, I think it's it's different enough that it's definitely kind of got its own vibe because it's not steampunk. It's like it's like you know because there's gator men and, and all that. There's like that swamp punk thing. I don't know, but yeah, it's 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 good. I, I, I like the whole I like that genre a little bit better personally. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. One of the biggest problems that I always had with um, Undercity was its lack of variation. It was a little more kind of by the numbers. If yeah, because there were just like and goons think- and, you know, you know, yeah, just it was a lot of humans in the monster deck, you know, and, and a few spellcasters. But yeah, it was, uh, it, I don't know. I mean, there's been enough steampunk gone around like the last 20 years that it's just it, steampunk's kind of its own thing. And you can, it, there's nothing really new to the table that it got i mean not that not, I, I don't get me wrong i, I love me the privateer press I, I play the heck out of signar or I, I played the heck out of signar so and they're they're about as lightning and steampunk as you can get but yeah yeah just yeah whatever's what is it's just so weird because it's it's monsters and not like your typical like you know werewolves and vampires and you know monsters but like gator people and yeah swamp monsters Rawr. Yeah, voodoo, voodoo spouting gator people that can raise the dead. Yeah, and by the dead I mean dead swamp creatures. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Gators are one of my favorite factions in in that game too. I love the gator men are so much fun because they're so stupid. <laughs> Their models are just so goofy. I love them. Ah, oh. that's the best. part. That is the best part. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean stupid in a bad way. I mean stupid as in they're just they're just goofy and weird. And, and when you're playing a gator army, it's just kind of hard not to get into it because, you know, they're gator men. <laughs> it just it's everything you want. <laughs> and Forrest Gump, probably appropriate style. I think that's all I've, I got to say about that. <laughs> Me too. I got to tell you, man, that's a game that I uh, I need my kids to just get a little bit older so I can get a little more into the narrative. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I think that that's going to be a real winner. Yeah. All right, well, we will be back after a short break, and when we return, we will be doing our Wisdom of Gen Con 2018 segment. Come on back! You hear? (laughs) I don't understand what just happened. I don't either. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview.
All right, welcome back, welcome back from the break. It is now time for us to do our All About Gen Con 2018 news segment. And deep dive, and and it's it's everything. It's the deep dive, it's news, It's this is just a Gen con episode. So we, we are not going to spend tons of time on any one given story. Uh, more, we're just going to kind of hit upon each one, and then based on what happens, we might share a few comments. But uh, there's just... Too much news for us to spend too much time on any one given subject. Well, okay, I'm going to start off with some things that came out uh, during the break uh, between episodes. Uh, I've talked about this on the Forgot My Dice Fans Facebook group a little bit, but Wizards uh, put Eberron into the DMs Guild, which we talked about because I played an Eberron game. And they announced for November book release, The Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which means, Jonathan, plane shifts have gone legit. They're going to make it a book. That is essentially, I, I mean, James Wyatt said it, that is plane shift Ravnica. From what we can guess, it's going to be like 130-odd pages. And WizKids is getting into it. They're going to make minis, including you know some pretty iconic Magic the Gathering characters like Niv-Mazette and, and Jace and all that. Uh, there's going to be a map pack. There's going to be dice. There's going to be the whole nine yards. Apparently, the art book is still going to come out, too. If you want to dive even deeper into the lore, just get a pretty book of art for your game. But yeah, like, I mean, the the plane shifts kind of like were, were sort of a thing, but this is the first time Wizards has actually said, like, okay, we are going to set a D&D setting in a magic universe. And they, it, it is an official, honest to God, it will be in the DMs Guild thing. And it only took them 20 years, Jonathan. <laughs> you know, you'd think you'd get on that a little bit quicker, but hey, so be it. I think we talked about this when the first plane shift came out. From what I understand, it's just the the magic division and the uh, the D&D division were a bunch of separate people for a very long time, and they didn't play well together because of that. And then now, you know, people have been in the company long enough that there's been some transplants across both sides. And the the wizard or the magic marketing team took over marketing D&D. So that's why the, the marketing changed around 5th edition. And yeah, it's just the teams have kind of gotten a little bit tighter. And a lot of that, I think we can lay at the feet of James Wyatt because James Wyatt was a D&D guy and then he moved over to the uh, magic story team. Well, what, whatever they're doing is working in every way, shape and form. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm excited. Uh, a lot of people are like, they should have done a classic setting. Why are they doing Ravnica? I'll tell you why they're doing Ravnica, because magic is freaking huge. Yeah, it's 25 years of content. Right. Well, but every anybody who plays because Ravnica is a very popular plane. In, in Magic 2. And any Magic player who's ever sort of had this vague thought of playing D&D, like, this will do it. And any Magic player who's played a little bit of D&D and has had vague thoughts of, you know, running the game, I'm sure this will be their setting where they want to do that. And and it, it's it's perfect. Like, it, it just, it, it's like, that was the setting to do because it's the, it, it hits a niche that D&D doesn't really do, which is the, you know, sort of Coruscant city plane, you know, or city setting where the whole city is Coruscant. a giant setting. Coruscant, Please. whatever. I'm, I'm Star Trek, not Star Wars. I don't know. I think it, I think it's super cool. Like, plane ships have gone legit. They're, they're finally doing this. It's going to be a big thing. And Ravnica is really cool. Like, it's a, it's a. It's different enough from all the other places that it gets to be its own thing in the D&D sort of multiverse, too. So I, I think it's a good idea. Because so, some of the planes kind of brush up a little bit too much. Like if like doing Innistrad, it's like it's too much like Ravenloft. You know, there's a lot of crossover there. But Ravnica is definitely like its own thing. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting that book. Uh, my, my, my gaming budget ever since we moved has been kind of tight, but I've, I've allocated funds for that. That, that is going to happen. Since, you, since we brought up Star Wars... 
Are you ready for some Star Wars news? Sure, go ahead. Oh, brace yourself. Because we're going to the Clone Wars, baby. Oh! Yes! X-Wing 2nd Edition is bringing prequel and Clone Wars era content. Nice. Which is dope. They're also doing a Clone Wars era source book for the RPG system. I saw that advertised the other day. That looks really cool. Yeah, which is amazing. Legion continues to grow, and we are getting the Emperor, and we are getting uh, the Imperial Guard. Nice. Hey, 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 question, question. Yes. Are the Separatists and the Old Republic going to be their own factions, or are they going to be mixed in with the Empire and the Rebels? I, you know what? I don't know. I don't think that we have seen that yet. Just just a couple of ship announcements. Because it, it would be fun if, I mean, they could do kind of both, like, you know, Age of Sigmar does, where they can, you know, put the Old Republic and the Empire. I, I don't know how you do it, but, you know, you could, you could split them arbitrarily, but then you can maybe give some sort of faction buff if you play, like, a faction. I don't know. I, there's a couple of different ways that they could take it. I'll let you know what I find out because I'm watching that one pretty closely. I, uh, I've fallen a little bit out of the X-Wing crowd just because it was just so much to track. But now the with the second edition rule set, I'm really kind of sliding back that direction. Nice. Well, keep me informed. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that game. I will. I will. So, yes, we're getting the Emperor. We're getting uh, uh, Imperial Guards, which is awesome. Also for Legion, we're getting Chewbacca and a bunch of Wookiee Warriors. <laughs> Hopefully they can climb trees. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, there's there's grappling hooks and stuff in Legion. So 3D is a, a big part of it, uh, especially for uh, sight lines. So, uh, yeah, I'm thinking that they're going to be climbers. And they look like melee hog beasts, and that's awesome. Well, they'll tear your arm off right out of its socket. Yep. And then while we're on the subject of Star Wars, the biggest news to come out of Gen Con... I think, period, and I mean this from a very literal, physical sense. I don't know, man. I saw the WizKids boat. Oh, no. I've seen this thing in person, and I can assure you, it is dumb. <laughs> it is so stupidly huge. Go on. It's 24 inches from tip to tip. Yeah, two feet. Two feet. That's two feet. What, what is it, Jonathan? You haven't said that yet. It's a Super Star Wars, or it's a Star Wars Super Star Destroyer expansion pack for Star Wars Armada. Yeah, it's two feet long, and oddly enough, that's still not directly to scale, but you know, close enough. No, no, it's not to scale. It's 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 the same thing they did with X Wing. Uh, you know, they they just said it's it's a kind of relative scale. It's gorgeous. I've seen a lot of really good pictures. Oh, it's of it. beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. It's such a good model, and you know, where else are you going to get like a two foot sized Super Star Destroyer uh, for your collection? Whether you're playing Armada or not, this is collectible. Highly collectible. You know, uh, I was reading the rules about it. So I think the typical game of Armada is played at 100 points still. And they said that beast is going to clock in. The cheapest you can buy it, mind you, I think is like 56. <laughs> and that's like no bells, no whistles, just a ship and some basics. <laughs> All it takes is one A-wing to bring it down. Yeah, well, there you go. I can't wait to actually see that. Because, you know, you hear two feet. You hear it. You see pictures of it. But I, I think oh, the actually seeing don't it. do it justice. Yeah, the I'm sure they don't. just don't do it justice. It's so huge. All right, all right. Any, anything else out of Star Wars land? No, that's kind of a, a, a five different Star Wars stories all wrapped up into one. Announced right before Gen Con, Chris Spivey, who wrote uh, Harlem Unbound, which I think won a Diana Jones Award. I can't remember. Or not Diana Jones Award. It didn't win the Diana Jones Award. It won in any. It was up for Diana Jones, wasn't it? It was, it was. It didn't win. They announced that Chris Bivey is writing a, quote, science fiction game for Chaosium, which will launch with a core rulebook and a GM pack with a screen. 
Uh, let me tell you, Harlow Unbound was uh, quite the hotness at Gen Con. A lot of people were playing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they were. I It finally came into my local game store. I, I was flipping through it a little bit, and I, I didn't have a lot of time because that was out during the EV hunt, so I had to go catch me some Pokemons. But yeah, yeah, no, it's a really pretty book. I, I, I need to go look at it more and maybe get a copy. Maybe. We'll see where my gaming budget's at. I can't wait. I really like Chris Bivey as a designer. So we mentioned Target a little earlier in the show. They have gone hog wild for for gaming yes they have do you know just how hog wild they've gone no 95 exclusive games for release have been acquired by target (laughs) that is a lot of exclusivity man well it seems to be working for them you know what i saw at target the other day that i Mm. thought you would appreciate and i think this tells you the the health of dungeons and dragons right now yeah the starter set yeah <laughs> I, I saw that too it was on an end cap yeah in the toy section talk about mainstream it doesn't get more mainstream than being on the end cap at target yeah of a big box store no no like not at all they released a list of games like it was like an advertisement for like come and check out our games and you know there were a lot of things on that list but one of the things that was on that list was was the D starter set you know like they were advertising it's like yes come here and get our exclusive you know games that you know you can buy at target like this one which is dungeons and dragons like who would have thought who would have thought yeah. no it's it's good stuff I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I, I answered this tweet as on our Forgot My Dice account, but uh, there was a, uh, I think he's a writer for like the New York Times or something, but he was, he, he tweeted out all these people, all these new people who are playing D&D, where were you when I was in fourth grade drawing maps in the back of the class on graph paper and all that? And my, my response to him is like, dude, the new people who are playing D&D were caged in the genetic material of your fellow, co- of your fellow classmates at the time. It's the kids, man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> It's nuts. Like, I, I never thought I'd see the day. I mean, I... Dude, there's some crazy stuff on here, too. There's a MacGyver board game. The Brady Bunch board game is going to be Target. Yeah. Uh, the Golden Girls board game. <laughs> and you know what the craziest part is? I will buy all three of those. No, 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 no. You didn't read the Golden Girls subtitle, sir. The Golden Girls, any way you slice it, the game. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Megaland by... Uh, the, uh, by Ryan Lockett, yeah. By Ryan Lockett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that there. And uh, Gene and I were like, should we buy this? Should we buy this? And it's like, no, we'll just demo it at your house in a month, and then we'll see if we want to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so true. Oh, this is the funny one. In the family face-off section, they had Game of Thrones, The Hand of the King. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. But it's got a little cute cartoony style to it. I know, but I'm like, you know, I never thought the Game of Thrones would be. It's like, hey, kids, let's get together and have some family fun playing Game of Thrones. Everybody stab Ned. (laughs) Yay! Anyway, yes, Target. Target, man. They're they're getting some good stuff. Who would have thought? Like, yeah. Right? Right. Uh, are we ready to move into my Gen Con news? This is actual yeah. Gen Con news. Okay, well, this is I guess this is technically pre-Gen Con news, because the Wednesday before Gen Con at, I forget the pub, they hand out the Diana Jones Award, and this year, Diana Jones Award went to actual play. Uh, so accepting the award was, I'm going to screw this up, uh, Satine Phoenix, Rudy Rutenberg, and James D'Amato, uh, and Ivan Van Norman. I only recognize James D'Amato of the, uh, of the One Shot podcast. I'm sure the... I know Satine does a, a, a Let's Play video thing. I'm not sure where. I haven't. I don't watch enough of that stuff. I'm not shocked when I saw that on the list. That's the one I thought would get it because just a- actual play things have been huge. They've been huge this past year. Yeah, but it, and it's not just it's not just board games either. It's uh, well, board RPG. Games and RPG. I RPGs say. have it's, been nuts. Yeah, but it's it's also video games. It's just that that whole concept is just blowing up. 
I know it's 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 weird. And I mean, I'm watching more of it because I'm I'm watching a guy play Planet Coaster because I can't. And I mean, like, why? Why am I doing this? But I yeah, I'm fascinated. Maybe I should start a YouTube channel called Watch Me Struggle with Painting, and <laughs> people can just watch me struggling with painting. There you go. You know, you know, what you should do. Okay, so this is this is what uh, the guy does at Planet Coaster. He records himself playing Planet Coaster for like three or four hours, but he does it in time lapse, so it just plays really fast. And then he just narrates over it, and the videos take like twenty minutes for to actually. If do, I was but- to narrate over me modeling, it would just be a series of f bombs. Well, but yeah, but you say it's like, okay, so this is where I start trying to paint his armor, and I end up painting my thumb more than anything, and this is when I accidentally spear myself with an X-Acto knife as I'm cleaning this model, and yeah. Yeah, I've done that. All, all that red is my blood, but I think it makes, I think it makes the, the model work better. They, they like the taste of blood. You know, yeah, you just do that. <laughs> it's a happy little accident. Mondo Games, who's, uh, you know, kind of come out of nowhere. They, uh, they were behind the thing, the board game? Yes, yes. They are just hitting it out of the park all over the place. They are bringing the Fight Club board game <laughs> based on the movie Fight Club. Uh, it is the movie license. It's not the uh, book license. That's and fair. it's a two-player competitive deck-building game. And it's going to take you inside of Tyler Durden as uh, the two personalities kind of fight for control. <laughs> which I thought was a real fascinating way to do it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. They're also bringing out Jurassic Park The Chaos Gene. And this is another board game, and I got to see the miniatures at Gen Con. Wow, it, does this game look good. I, I was reading about this game, and what I like about it is it's a four-player asymmetrical like game where the factions are like the people, the velociraptors, I think like the scientists, and then the T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, you have, um, you have uh, raptors, T-Rex, InGen, Park Visitors. Right, yeah, the Park Visitors, that's right. And everybody has their own win conditions, and I hope that the T-Rex is just like, eat everybody. Yeah, it is. So (laughs) Raptors rely on their cunning and stealth. T-Rex is loud and fast, rushing towards completing its own objectives. InGen has to do uh, resource management to keep the park up and running. Uh, And then finally, the visitors bring unique character skills and uh, faction abilities. It's kind of like that that board game Vast, where every faction is going to have its own rule set, which is kind of interesting. I am very curious how how that plays out, because from what you told me about the thing... I think I think they might be up to that, so we'll we'll see what happens. I, I am curious. The T Rex looks great. <laughs> oh man, uh, all of them look great. I got to see the T Rex. I got to see the Raptors. I mean, they, these are some really good looking models. They look fantastic. Gen Con, the Ennies were given out, and I I'm not going to go down this list because it's long. But a lot of FMD favorites picked up uh, awards like uh, Harlem Unbound, Delta Green, and something that surprised me. Uh, I've seen this game around, but I, I I've never actually read it. But now I may have to. There is a Warhammer Fantasy RPG homage called Zweiland, Zweihander. It's two-hander in German. Zweihander. It won a ton of awards, a surprising number of them. I don't know much about I I never played Warhammer Fantasy the RPG, which I've heard a lot of people say it's great. And, and I know this is sort of in the vein of it. But yeah, I, I now I'm curious. Because I know one of the things that you could do as a first-level character in that is you could be a rat catcher and have a dog. Well, there you go. Is do you still have a dog? Is there a rat catcher? I don't know, but now I need to get this game. I see it pop up for on on Drive Through RPG for like sales of the PDF, and I'm like, you know what? I I think next time that happens, I'll just have to go ahead and get it. But yeah, yeah, check out the list. You know, uh, they they do podcasts, they do free games. You know, they do a lot of stuff. So you know, there's something for everybody there. I'm sure. Well, shall we cover some news from Fantasy Flight? 
We haven't already? Well, we covered Star Wars news, but they are just firing on all cylinders. They've announced something interesting. It's called a unique game. It's called Discover Lands Unknown. And what's neat is there are some common components between uh, box to box, but there's a bunch of the components in the game that are going to be unique, so every single box will be different. You're a group of survivors. You're stuck on a mountaintop, and you're trying to stay warm. That that's one kind of like concept, or your tiles might be that of an island, and you're trying to uh, protect yourself from strange creatures that are uh, running about. So every set of tiles could be conceivably different. Every all you know, every set of components could be a little bit different. Everybody's going to get a slightly different experience. Huh. So you and I could go to the game store and buy two boxes and have a completely different game. Weird. It's a neat idea. I'm really curious to see what they do with it. I found the press release on fantasyflightgames.com. I'll have to uh, I'll put that in the queue of things I'll read after the podcast. All right. Well, sticking with FFG, the third edition of Arkham Horror has been announced. Ooh, yeah, the uh, the guy who's headlining the redesign. I I, I he popped up on Twitter, you know, cuz he was proud that he was going to make this game. And uh, yeah, it Nikki, looks Nikki Valens? Yes, yes. And uh, I got to say like um uh, the buzz on Twitter has been interesting because, like, I, I think at this point, like, everybody's played and probably come to hate that game because it's real hard. <laughs> it's only, not just hard. It's just there's it's it, big and long and it's yeah, it's, as well. But the buzz on Twitter, uh, everybody, you know, everybody w- seemed to, like, groan when they said it. And then they actually showed a picture of all the components and, like, it, the map tiles and stuff, like, the differences they're making. And it's like, oh, oh. Yeah, I got to say, like, I'm, I'm liking what I see out of this game, too, because, like, I... I, I, I don't think I've grown to hate that game, but that game's hard. It is the cosmic horror. It, that game that game takes you and informs you of how insignificant you are to the, the grand scheme of the universe. And But yeah, I, I, I liked what I saw. I liked all the, the different components and stuff. Because it's not a static board, right? They're going to have like map tiles and it's going to lay out yeah, differently. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's tiles. Every time um, they're kind of puzzle cut. So every yeah. time you, you put the game together, it's going to be a little bit different. I like uh, that. That's so cool. It looks like it borrows some ideas from uh, Eldritch Horror as well, mm-hmm, which was mm-hmm. kind of Arkham Horror streamlined. I, I am intrigued. I'm intrigued enough that I will definitely give the new game a try, and hopefully they won't make it quite so, like, like oh, God, I've gotten punched by that game so hard so many times. Oh, that, make no mistake. Arkham Horror hates all humans. <laughs> I mean, it's it's spot on for the source material. Like, by the end of it, you're just like, you know, in an institute somewhere, like, narrating your stuff to a psychiatrist. <laughs> no, that game is really, it is really, really rough. What what an interesting path this has taken. You know, it was a Richard Launius game originally. Right. And then Kevin Wilson did the second edition, and hard to believe it's been 13 years since the second edition came out. That's nuts. I can't wait. I, it looks really cool. Like every picture I've seen, I'm like, oh, they're they're really shaking this one up. I I, I am now intrigued. I want to see more. So yeah, they're re- really making it a good modern game. That that is uh, Arkham Horror Third Edition. All right, and then finally, because we just talked about the other in the unique game series is Keyforge. Have you heard of that? Besides that, Richard Garfield is designing it. No. Yes. So here's the interesting thing: every single pack that they release is completely unique. How does that work? Digital printing, baby. Uh, that's right. We live in the future. They're embracing yeah, the future. They are. Oh, my gosh. So you buy a starter set, which has two training decks, and then you buy complete one-of-a-kind decks to supplement that tra- uh, starter set. That makes sense. So it's a it's a collectible game. In a sense, yeah, but here's the thing. There's no deck building required. You, you play the pack as it comes out of the box. 
Huh. Interesting. So really it's going to be a question of, of balance. That's, that's going to be the tricky part. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Richard Garfield knows this. That dude's a math major. I would be completely unconcerned about that. It'll be interesting nonetheless. The fact that every single deck is unique is, is amazing. What, what an undertaking. I, I don't care what you think about Robo Rally or Magic the Gathering or Android or whatever. Richard Garfield, like, that, that dude knows his stuff. Like, the games he makes are very playable and very, yeah, balanced, I guess is the best word for it. Like, I, I've, never ga- I've never played in a game that he directly designed where I was like, this game is skewed and broken and I can't win because I chose poorly at the beginning of the game or something like he, he he's always really good about that. So no, his games are great. His games, yeah. even even his lesser known stuff. Is. Yeah. Uh, King of Tokyo. He did. That's him. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I have a great Richard Garfield game called uh, Treasure Hunter, which is super fun. The dude goes back to magic every so often. And like my favorite, the, the set in magic that I actually played and got really into because it was fun was Innistrad. The the original Innistrad set was him. He he designed that and it was great. It was so much fun. That's a bold statement. 104 quadrillion. That's like one of those numbers you you say when you're a kid and you don't know numbers. 104 quadrillion possible decks. It's a heck of a print run. <laughs> quadrillion. That's impressive. I like it. I can't wait for that. That's going to be interesting. Goodman Games. A while ago we talked about how they were going to do the original in- adventures reincarnated and they did the keep on the borderlands and journey into the unknown and they sort of comboed it into journey into the borderlands that book came out it looks deliciously old school i don't know if you've seen it it's big and it's pur- kind of reddish purple <laughs> with an old school font on it have you seen that at your local game store jonathan no i have not not yet yeah yeah go to the fifth edition section at your local game store and look for it, it, it it's it's so it's so kitsch <laughs> it's fun uh, they've announced the next title in the series. Uh, they're going to do the classic adventure, The Isle of Dread. And it's not a two for this time. It is just The Isle of Dread. They're going to have both of the original editions of it, a fifth edition conversion, interviews and stuff like they did in Into the Borderlands. I don't know if you know anything about The Isle of Dread, but it's kind of like the the Lost Island o Dinosaurs, King Kong-esque weird island. And there's not much of a plot in that one. It's more about exploring it. The original idea for the adventure was it would be the thing that would teach you how to do wilderness encounters in D&D. And so that that is pretty much all it is. There's no plot. It is just like, go explore this island. Have fun. I liked what I saw in Into the Borderlands. If I had more cause to play it, I would I would definitely pick that up. Because as a little sort of mini campaign, they'll get you through like 6th, 7th level, I think. Yeah, it would be kind of a fun old school throwback to run in 5th edition. So I'm, I'm going to see how this one shakes out. I'm, I'm curious. Very cool, very cool. How about some Plaid Hat news? Plaid Hat, makers of... Makers of Mice and Mystics, and um, Ashes, and Dead of Winter, Starship Samurai. Had to throw that one in there. (laughs) Uh, They uh, announced a couple of new games. They've got coming out soon Gen 7, which is their next Crossroads game. Mm. And of course, that's the system behind uh, Dead of Winter, so I'm really interested to see how that works out. And it's kind of cool. You're on an international colony ship, 142 years into a 210-year journey, and 13 generations will be born on this vessel before it gets to its final destination. Mm-hmm. And um, for the first six, everything's gone great. And then you are part of the seventh generation crew, and something does not go great. <laughs> it's a narrative game and you play it over the course of a bunch of episodes and each episode is is what's going to define your goal as players i'm really interested in this this looks fascinating 
Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It, I like the concept. Yeah, that's just a great sci-fi trope. The the generational ship that is uh, gone awry. <laughs> <laughs> also from Plat Hat Games, we are getting a new game called Comanauts. And Comanauts is uh, another adventure book game, kind of like Stuffed Fables. And it's from Jerry Hawthorne, who, of course, did Mice and Mystics and Stuffed Fables. You know, it's going to borrow some of the different mechanics from the, the adventure book uh, system that was introduced with Stuffed Fables. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely aimed at a more mature player base. Hmm. It, basically, the main character lies in a coma. And there's an invention that um, he was working on. He's like a great scientist. And so you guys go into uh, his coma to try and figure out what's going on with him and to get the idea out. Yeah, basically, like, you're going into this dude's coma and entering his subconscious and trying to free him from all his, like, his personal demons and stuff. Huh. What's that called again? Comanauts. Kind of like astronauts, except for comas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I liked how uh, minimalist it looked. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It looks like a really neat game. Also, interestingly enough, lots of coma games on the market recently. It's weird, like, what pop culture stuff sometimes spawns things, but I don't know what we're seeing now from that. But yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, so there was Coma Ward from Everything Epic. Now we've got Coma Knots. There's another game coming out where you uh, play this guy who has had a heart attack, and um, you're basically trying to give him me- medicine, and at the same time he's telling you all these stories about his life, and you're trying to help him, like, interpret personal demons and stuff. It's, it's like it's just oh, this weird trifecta of games that are roughly covering the same subject matter i wonder if like a group of game designers got together and played that shoot what's that one game called uh into space or something like that oh to the moon to the moon it's this weird little role-playing game where you uh it's about a guy who's dying and you can like do this thing where you hook yourself up to a machine and get memories to you know do you know do something you want to do with your life and you're just these two scientists kind of watching this guy's dreamscape unfold because he the thing he wanted to do with his life was to go to the moon so basically total recall Kinda, but it's it's not really. There's not like combat. It's just kind of. It's more like a walking simulator. But speaking of games that are shelf toads, I need to get that off my Steam list. All right. So Pelgrane Press had two kind of big bits of news at besides winning a few NEs and whatnot. They announced a new Gumshoe game called Robot Dreams, and this is not what I thought it was. So uh, Wade Rocket said this was like a Philip K. Dick. Yeah, it's more more of an Asmovian thing. Uh, Wade Rocket said this over on Google Plus. It is a far future sci-fi gumshoe game by Kate Bullock, where the player characters are artificial beings. The background mystery of the setting is what happened to the friends, the humans that made us. In part, it'll serve as a gumshoe entry point for the to the role playing hobby for people who want to get into role playing but don't like horror. So yeah, it it sounds like kind of like a post human, you know, like the end of AI <laughs> uh, type of game, which I'm like. I don't think this... Uh, they said they're going to do a better write-up of it uh, after they recover from Gen Con because, like, everybody in Pelgrane has Concred. But, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. And I followed Kate Bullock on Twitter to see if she says anything about it, and she hasn't yet. But, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm interested. I, I love me gumshoe games, so I, I, will, I will give this one a go when it comes out. On top of that, I was seeing a lot of buzz coming out of Gen Con about uh, playtests that they were doing for a game which for now is called Sword of the Serpentine, a.k.a. hashtag Gumthus, which I think, I forget what that actually stands for. But it's basically their fantasy game. 
And over on my Gumshoe Discord channel, uh, I got this out of Wade Rocket because he's also there. It is a Gumshoe game set in a fantasy city that is slowly sinking. So the dungeons are the old lower levels. Different structures sink at different rates. So the Undercity is a mix of eras. You go through a door to a rotting wall or a rotting wall, and you can find anything on the other side. It evokes urban swords and sorcery like Howard, Lieber, and even Terry Pratchett. You could be aristocrats, city guards, street urchins. Also, magic causes corruption, which the caster must either take on to themselves or send it out into the world, which is extremely frowned upon. I found a few people mentioning that the combat was interesting, which means it's obviously a... It's not your normal gumshoe game because gumshoe combat is very simple. And if combat is tactically interesting, it's uh, it's definitely a difference. But then again, I couldn't find that tweet again when I went look and looked for it later. So maybe that's just a half-remembered dad fever dream because I'm tired all the time because, you know, children. You can follow the guy who's writing it. His name's Kevin Culp on Twitter for more. It's just at Kevin Culp, K-U-L-P. Now, I'm, 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 intri- I'm very intrigued by that one. Doing something a little bit more urban fantasy, especially Terry Pratchett. I, I, I wouldn't have spotted that, but it, I, I, I need to read more Terry Pratchett, apparently. All right, you ready for a blast from the past, Robert? Hit me. <clears throat> All right, so you've heard of Restoration Games, right? They're the yes. guys that, that uh, kind of bring a bunch of stuff back from the past and make it cool again and kind of fix some of the issues, make it a little more modern, right? They did a great job with Downforce. They got Fireball Island coming out. So nothing but good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually read this too, come to think of it. Go. Yes. So they got the designer from Gloomhaven, Isaac Childers, and uh, said, hey, let's remake the Dark Tower. Basically this electronic squawk box game that everybody that's our age remembers fondly from our childhood. And they're doing it. Do you want to feel old? 1981, I know. I I never played this game, nor heard of it, <laughs> until they said this. Wow. I had, to, I had to go look it up. Yes. That's a surprise. Well, you got to remember, in 1981, I was two, so probably just a hair before my time. And I didn't have any older siblings. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the because it had an electronic squawk box. Yeah, it. yeah, I, I just saw that. I, I've been me- I, I saw this and I'm like, this is a game and I meant to look it up. And now I'm looking it up because we're talking about it. Oh, my God. It, it had a keyboard, a small yeah. membrane keyboard. Oh, wow. It was way ahead of his time. Yeah. This looks like the most 80s game I've ever seen. I, I'm checking out some pictures of it over on oh, Board it was Game definitely Geek. a product of its time. Yeah. But like the, the people playing but who posted a picture on a... On Board Game Geek, one of them is like the most 80s picture ever because they're definitely playing it on their carpet, which is that kind of 80s beige. And there's just someone's bare ass feet just kind of off frame, you know, and it's like, yeah, you're just playing this on the floor. And it reminds me, what was that game? Reminds me of this other game I I, I used to sell my old shop. It was uh, there was a tower in the center and you were trying to stop armies from coming in on you. It looks like that. I don't know. Castle Panic? Castle Panic. Yeah. Components wise, it's making me think of that. Because there's the big, goofy, stupid 80s-looking keep in the center. That thing is just so retro-looking. And then, yeah, but everything's kind of coming in around it. I dig it. I want to see what they're going to do with this. I'm intrigued. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Robert. Was Pathfinder a thing at Gen Con? Oh, my gosh. It was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because Pathfinder 2nd Edition. It's playtesting. Right now, you can get it for free on the PDFs off of Paizo.com, which I've I've done. I've been going through it. So uh, I remember, I remember we've talked about this from time to time about how we think they're, you know, we should, they should do a Pathfinder 2.0. So they're, they're definitely streamlining things like 
reading through it, they, they might as well have copied uh, fifth edition's proficiency thing. I know I'm going to catch hate for that because they don't exactly copy it, but they might as well have because they're effectively doing it. Combat is still kind of pathfindery combat. They're doing, they, they are madly in love with feats. There are so many feats. Feats of every color, sir. Feats for everybody. It's playtesting now. You can try it now. And it, I think it's going to be released for really reels at Gen Con next year. And speaking of which, the Pathfinder Kingmaker video game release date got announced. It's going to be September 25th on PC and Mac. No word on console release. To round out random D&D-inspired video games, uh, Green Ronin announced that they're going to make a free port video game. Uh, it's going to get released sometime in 2019. And if you don't know what Freeport is, it's everything that you love. Imagine a, a pirate free port <laughs> that turned into a legit city over time plus Lovecraftian Serpent Men, plus a whole bunch of your high fantasy stuff, all in one book. They've made versions of it for Pathfinder, Savage Worlds, Fate, and probably more that I'm not even aware of. And now you can play a video game of it. Gamelin announced a new Tiny Epic game at Gen Con, and they had it there to take a look at. It's called Tiny Epic Mechs. I heard about that. And Mechs stands for Mechanized Entertainment Combat Heroes. So you take the role of a pilot, each round, you're going to program four actions into your power armor, and then it'll get executed on the uh, arena. Nice. But you get to do a bunch of stuff like collecting resources, destroying obstacles, purchasing weapons, powering up your armor uh, during the game. So think every every round will get a little bit different. And I can tell you, I watched some people playing the uh, version at Gen Con, and they were having a blast. It looked super fun. I'm really excited. I guess it's coming to Kickstarter soon in September, so I'm really I'm looking forward to that one. Nice. I like it. Rounding out my Gen Con news, uh, during the show, Privateer Press announced that they are partnering with FFG, so maybe we should have talked about this earlier, uh, and they're going to make a Elf, uh, Legend of the Five Rings loot crate, or mini crate, or whatever, their, their, crate, their mini crate program. And so, yeah, you're going to be able to get little, you know, metal samurai for your L5R game in miniature format uh, from Privateer Press. And much like the the various crate things, you know, you get one shot to do it, and then it's gone. And it's kind of interesting. You know what Privateer Press does with the molds of the miniatures once they're done making them? They're using them to build a garden wall for their, like, break area. Oh, that's kind of (laughs) neat. Apparently that's on YouTube somewhere. I haven't watched those videos, but I think I need to. Once that mold is retired, it's really retired. It becomes part of the wall. Oh, yeah, there's nothing you can do with a mold after it's it's done. Well, especially after you pour concrete in it and, you know, ram a piece of rebar through it. Yeah, that'll kind of finish it. <laughs> that'll definitely kind of finish it. Big G Creative, makey, makers of our favorite Bob Ross games, have announced four new games. Happy Little Accidents, which I talked about earlier in the show. Yep. The Brady Bunch Party Game, which looks to be hysterical. Yep, yep, yep. Home Alone, the game. <laughs> and perhaps my most favorite of the bunch, Monster Crunch, the breakfast battle game. I saw that. It's actually Who can eat more cereal, Robert? Will it be Count Chocula, Boo Berry, Fruit Brute, Fruit Yummy Mummy, or Frankenberry? That's so amazing. I can't even yeah. put it into words. They had these at Gen Con. I just couldn't afford to get everything. And so I had to go with my man, Bob Ross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your main man, Bob Ross. That's awesome. Uh, I love what this company's doing. They're doing it right. Yeah. No, they definitely are. They're, see, you know what they're doing? And I, I appreciate this. And, and I know I've been on record that I, I am annoyed that people are preying on my nostalgia to try to get me to spend money. And 
I guess this company is doing that too because, yeah, they obviously are. But you know what they're doing? Instead of just making a cash grab, it's like let's just throw Bob Ross or you know Frankenberry or whatever on something and just try to get you to spend money on it even though it's, it's crud. They actually make good games that are fun. Like, I don't feel like I was I was cheated. Like, I buy this game, and it's like, this is actually a good game. Like, I'm having fun. Like like you said, Happy Little Accidents is a good time. Oh, my know? gosh. So good. Like, I, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I want to play it with you. Right, right. I, I, I do, too. It's that good of a time. But I'll tell you this much. I will, I will leave you with this. I had a lot of smiles at Gen Con. I had a lot of good times. The biggest smile that everybody that I played this with had was while we were playing Happy Little Accidents. Right? Because yeah. it makes you smile, and it makes you laugh, and it makes you do that as a group. It provides memories, and that's important. You, you know what I think the difference is? There's people who are preying on your nostalgia to try to get you to spend money by making movies out of Transformers that maybe they shouldn't have done, you know, the sixth one. I'm looking at you, Bumblebee movie. Then there's people who are, like, truly and passionately, like, fans of kitschy old stuff, and like like Stranger Things, for example, you know, where it's it's not just like we're trying to get your money. It's like we're trying to embrace something of the past and, and sort of like revisit it because we love it, not because we're trying to get your money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and that's and that's the difference, people. <laughs> and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm happy with with Happy Little Accidents and all their games. And that's why I want to try their Brady Bunch game. I'll try anything they put out at this point. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, like having heard good things about Happy Little Accidents, like, they, they are just on my, you know what, I, I will always give them a chance because they, they, they've hit it out of the park enough, like, you know, if they stumble, because every company stumbles once in a while, you know what, F- whatever. You know, they're, they're, they're doing it because they like it, not because they're, they're trying to, you know, pull one on you. And I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, company. I forgot, what's the name of the company again? Big G. Thank you, Big G. You guys are great. I love you. So this came out, I think, like today, actually, Jonathan. Gale Force 9 apparently snapped up the license to Dune, and they are hiring Modifius to write a role-playing game, which will be out next year at some point. And oh, then so excited about this. coming in ahead of the new movie that's due out Robert. in 2020 by Robert. Dennis Villeneuve, who did your favorite movie. Here we are coming back around. He oh, did really? Blade Runner. Really? He directed Blade Runner 2049. Robert. He's making a Dune movie. What? I'm really excited about this. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna have board games and miniature games and the whole nine coming out right before the new movie by the guy who directed Blade Runner, my friend. Oh, my gosh, I know. So we will see it's if the movie... It's a good time to be a geek. Yeah. Like, it's a stupid good time. Have you seen how many times Dune has, like, eaten a project in development hell? <laughs> if anybody's going to pull it off, it's going to be Villeneuve. He's French, right? Villeneuve? I don't know if he's French or not. I'm he he is French. I'm assuming he is by his last name, so I'm trying to do... The best French I can do, but that's not good. And I'm so sorry for the to the entire country of France and a good chunk of Canada, because I'm pretty sure I killed that. And I'm sorry. Interesting times. Gale Force making Dune games. Oh, man. I'm so happy to see Dune making a comeback. Yeah, I'm wondering. Maybe I need to read the books again. It's been a good 10 years since I read the books. Those books are amazing. Yeah, I'm wondering if they hold up, you know, they because do. they were written they totally in the 60s. Do. They were they were a little weird back then. <laughs> All right, I got one last story, but it's kind of like a ha-ha story. So, I've, so got, I've got two last stories. So let's, uh, are they ha-ha stories or are they? No, they're they're legit. All right, do your two stories and I'll do our, our I'll round us out with our ha-ha story and then we'll end this cast. Clank is getting a new expansion line. It's a whole line of expansions. Oh my. Yes, it's called Clank Expeditions, and the first one's going to be called Golden Silk. 
and it gives you two new maps and two new meeples for your Clank adventure. Uh, and you're going to be going into the ruins of a dwarven mining company. Mm. So there you go. It's a two-sided game board. On the other side, you're going to have a, the Spider Queen's Lair. A bunch of new tokens, a bunch of new player markers, some new meeples. But overall, it's a neat way to do an expansion. Nice. Crap, we might have to add Clank to the list. I don't have a copy of it yet. <gasps> I've played it several times. I've played, played both Clank and Clank in space. I've just not secured a copy for myself. Mother of God. Jonathan, what's wrong with you? You're my fix, man. Ugh. I'm sure I can secure a copy before then. All right, last last real story. You ready? Yeah. It's RPG news. Good. Simon has partnered with Need Games in Italy, and they're going to be bringing you an RPG right out of the apocalypse. It's the Zombicide role-playing game. When I read that it was some weird random company that I'd never heard of before... Part of me got a little cynical, I, I will admit. But then I realized it's an Italian company making a zombie thing. And I don't know who better to make zombie stuff than, than the country that really just after Night of the Living Dead came out and was really popular, just grabbed the reins of the zombie stuff and just sequeled it to absolute death. Because that is what Italy was good for, making great, unofficial, and not even great. Well, sometimes they were great, and sometimes they were real, real bad. <laughs> but it's bad in a good way. I have hopes. I have high hopes. I, I would I would like, I, I think it would be interesting to play in the Zombicide world. I completely agree. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what they've done. Because there's been a few zombie games out over the years, like, you know, All Flesh Must Be Eaten and the... Uh, the one by Fantasy Flight. Uh, yeah, the... Uh, end of the World. Uh, end of the World. Yeah. And then, uh, heck, Monty Cook Games is getting in on it right now. They're going to release a source book for the Cypher system that does that, too. So it'll be... What I'm curious about is I'm curious what an Italian game company's take on it will be because they, they've... Game companies in Europe, you know, that are more removed from Dungeons & Dragons, they have gone off on their own strange evolutionary, you know, tangents. And so it'll be interesting to see what kind of system they cook up. How about your last uh, your last story here? The end of the episode. Uh, about a week or two ago, Joe Mag- Magnel. Oh, God, I can't pronounce his last name. I can't either. Joe Magnelio. Joe Maginelio. Bless you. Actor extraordinaire from such things as True Blood and uh, Magic Mike and all that. He uh, went on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert because he has a nerdy gamer line of, uh, uh, clothing. <laughs> of clothing called Death Saves. And uh, it was because when he was a kid, apparently his crowd of gamers, they, all they did was listen to Metallica and heavy metal, and they played D&D. So he's like, I'm going to jam those two things together and make you know heavy metal gaming t-shirts. But it was pretty funny. They, they just chatted about D&D for the solid block. And there's this really funny moment where, you know... Yeah, Steven, they didn't talk about anything else. That was the funniest part about this entire interview. And it was so deep in old school D&D lore. Uh, Steven said something that really impressed him. Like, there's this moment where Joe was like, you know your stuff, man. Okay. And they, they just go down the rabbit hole after that. It's so funny to watch. And it's just it's just ten minutes of two you know guys our age really nerding out about TNT, and and the old school nerding Jonathan it was so thick you could spread it on toast and have it for breakfast it was it was like butter no it was good I watched the entire interview it was fascinating yeah yeah it was it was it was quite funny who would have thought that they would have spent an entire segment on a late night like the premiere late night comedy show on D and D. I, I would not, if you, if you told me that, you know, when I was in fourth grade and making, you know, drawing maps on graph paper in the back of the class, I would have said that you are trying to get something by me. 
the market has come a long way. The yeah. Have won. Yeah, seriously. We played the long game, and we came out ahead. Yeah. But did we? Did we? I think so. Okay. Well, unfortunately, Robert, that does bring us to the end of episode 45 of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once again... We ask you, we implore you, we beg of you to come and join us on all of our fun digital domains. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get you in on the conversation. We'd love to hear what you think of all this amazing news that we've covered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, of course, only leaves us with uh, just the one thing now left, left Robert. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? Yeah, sorry if this gets out a little late. Usually we like to release these on Monday. But uh, we were supposed to record on Monday, but it's summer in Portland, and that means you have to do stuff outside because, you know, for, what, seven-twelfths of the year, you just don't get to do that. So, uh, yeah, I went to the beach with my family, and we played in the sand, and it was quite nice, but, yeah, we're recording this a couple days late. So if we get it out late, I apologize, and I guarantee you it will happen again. (laughs) Uh, And my work schedule certainly wasn't helping either. No. No, but yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but if the choice is between going to the beach with the family and recording the podcast, I'm going to go to the beach with the family because I'm going to have seven months where I can't do that. I can't say I blame you. Yeah, because come September, September's when things start turning over, apparently, back to cloudy and rainy all the time. So, yes. And that's right around the corner. So I apologize. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Well, with that, Robert, there's only one thing to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. As the music swells and we go out and we hear the dulcet tones of my wife's voice thanking our Patreons. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 